I'm Robert Scherzer, Clinical Associate Professor, UBC Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences, and we're talking about glaucoma for January 15th, 2010, with Kareem Damji, Professor of Ophthalmology at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. Dr. Damji's main areas of research include pseudoexfoliation glaucoma, SLT, or selective laser trabeculoplasty, versus medication as first-line therapy, and whether SLT reduces diurnal variation of intraocular pressure. Before joining the faculty at the University of Alberta, Dr. Damji spent a number of years on faculty at the University of Ottawa. Please check the show notes of this podcast for relevant research articles on laser trabeculoplasty. You will also find links in the show notes to follow me on Twitter, where I am Rob Scherzer, on my blog at wholelotofrob.com, where I cover glaucoma health and technology, and to my glaucoma website at westcoastglaucoma.com. Let's welcome Kareem Damji to our show and talk about selective laser trabeculoplasty and where it fits into our treatment algorithm for open-angle glaucoma. Well, welcome to this episode of Talking About Glaucoma, and this week I'm talking with Kareem Damji. Hi, Kareem. Hi, Rob. Thanks very much uh, for asking me to come on. It's a pleasure. Uh, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself here? Okay, I'm a professor um, of ophthalmology at the University of Alberta, and um, I do some research uh, and teaching as well, so I really enjoy uh, those opportunities uh, to share what I learn. That's great, and now hopefully we'll share a few pearls about laser trabeculoplasty which uh, I think a lot of people know has been something you've published a fair amount on. So let's just uh, start, I guess, with a a bit of a background about the study that was originally done, and we'll see where the talk leads us. Great. Um, The study uh, actually was planned uh, over 10 years ago and as a a randomized trial comparing uh, SLT to um, argon laser trabeculoplasty and I thought at the time, uh, in 1998, that it was important um, to do a comparison um, because uh, it wasn't just uh, enough to have a, a laser and uh, prove in, in one arm, you know, that uh, things were working. And you needed a comparison, uh, not just for efficacy, but uh, also for safety. I'd say 10 years ago, I probably wasn't doing a lot of trabeculoplasty because I, right. I was getting the feeling it really wasn't working all that well. And my feeling since that time has been that it's probably related to where it was in our sort of staged approach to treating glaucoma. Yeah, that's a very interesting point that you raise. Um, and um, first of all, I think uh, it is a historic time to be talking about laser trabeculoplasty. You know, Wise, uh, Jim Wise and Witter published uh, their paper on ALT uh, 30 years ago uh, this year. Um, and um, Mark Latina had published his paper on SLT just over 10 years ago. Um, And, you know, our study really looked at um, placing those laser uh, trabeculoplasty um, uh, treatments um, as part of a stepped regimen where we tried to maximize uh, medical therapy first uh, and patients on average uh, with primary open-angle glaucoma, including pseudoexfoliation, some pigmentary glaucoma, uh, had about three meds. um, And for most people, that was sort of the maximum tolerable medication. And they were still uncontrolled. 
and um, most of the patients were sort of early or moderate stage glaucoma and needed to go on to something more to control their pressure, uh, which traditionally would have been uh, a trabeculectomy had we not considered laser trabeculoplasty. So we randomized those patients, um, and in our study, we were able to show that pressure came down from a baseline of about 24 millimeters of mercury in each group uh, by about 20%, um, and in some cases, as much as 25%. Um, if you did it 180 degrees uh, with either SLT or ALT, there was essentially no difference uh, in outcome with regard to pressure. Uh, or, in fact, uh, complications. But I think to go to your point, um, if you were to do it earlier um, and the patient is not on as much medication, so either right off the bat uh, or with one medication, you tend to see a little more effect. Um, and, of course, these days people are doing 360 degrees uh, of SLT quite often early on as well, uh, in which case you can see 30% or, or more effect uh, right off the bat. That's right. So I guess... Uh, what some people may find surprising today is the results of that initial study showing really no difference, right? They, it really helped show yeah. that SLT was as effective as ALT, that it wasn't really something better. Exactly, equivalency. And I think, you know, in my mind, um, it was important to show the equivalency. Um, and even though it, SLT didn't turn out to be better uh, in terms of efficacy and safety, I think the promise was that um, you could repeat it uh, and that you were causing less in the way of architectural damage to the trabecular meshwork because you weren't creating that thermal effect uh, and instead it was quite selective for certain cells uh, with pigment. Um, so that would mean in, in um, a couple of uh, implications. One is that you could possibly repeat it uh, and continue to have effect instead of uh, creating glaucoma, which, uh, you know, with ALT, when you continue to repeat it, you can actually create a, a nice monkey model of glaucoma. Uh, with SLT, that's much more difficult to do. And the second thing was really that um, you're not damaging the architecture that much. So if there are new surgeries that come on the horizon, uh, and in the last 10 years we've seen some, such as trabectome, which is an ab-internal trabeculectomy, or canaloplasty and so forth, uh, that um, viscocanaliculostomy and so on, that basically you haven't damaged the uh, architecture in such a way that those procedures become very difficult. Um, and anecdotally, surgeons are noticing that those patients treated with SLT are uh, generally not a problem with these newer surgeries, whereas uh, those with ALT, you tend to have more scar tissue, and technically it's more difficult uh, to treat. That's right, and I remember the first few years after you had done the study and you would present the data to you know, different forums, I'd say every single time you must have been asked, have you shown the repeatability yet? Since that time, how do we have data to show the repeatability rather than just the theory that you're causing less damage with the SLT? Right. It's shocking to me that there isn't more published on SLT. I think people just got on the bandwagon and uh, forgot to do the studies because the only paper really that I've seen uh, come out uh, looking at retreatment um, is one by Bruce Shields and his group. Uh, the first author is Hong, H-O-N-G, uh, and it's in the Journal of Glaucoma earlier this year, March 2009. And essentially what they showed um, was that you could treat 360 degrees and then repeat treatment um, with another 360 degrees. And instead of getting 20% um, reduction, you get less, uh, about a 12 to 15% reduction, but you still get some effect. Um, and it's a retrospective study. so. 
Um, I wish uh, that uh, ICOMED and some others with a larger uh, data collection would publish on this because our study was never really designed to, to look at repeatability. Um, and so uh, I'd love to see more data on that. But uh, I think uh, with repeat treatment, um, it is uh, possible to get reductions, but not as large. Uh, that anecdotally is my experience uh, as well. Right. And it's very interesting, those percentages that were given with the repeat treatment being less effective than the initial treatment. It goes back to what I said, alluded to earlier, where we've sort of been moving the trabeculoplasty earlier into the treatment regimen, sort of as a, as a substitute for adding a drop. Mm -hmm. and, and it seems to be similar numbers to what we get when we have a first drop that we put a patient on, and then when we add a second drop, the the fact that we get less of a pressure reduction with the additional drop. That's right. Um, in our study, the only prognostic indicator for a, a result was uh, the baseline IOP. In other words, the higher the baseline IOP, the more drop you got. Um, and others have shown that since then as well. Um, degree of trabecular mesh for pigmentation, uh, type of glaucoma, and so on didn't seem to matter that much um, with SLT. Um, and I think uh, that's part of the reason we're seeing more effect when SLT is done earlier. Uh, typically, the baselines are higher. Uh, so, for example, in the study with Bai Hong, uh, when the second SLT was done, the baseline was actually a bit lower. Right. That may be part of the explanation. Oh, so by having the lower initial treatment, initial pressure when initiating the treatment. So now in terms of let's say, the practical take-home points from this. Where do you place SLT now in the treatment regimen? I think for me there's a, a number of spots. Um, first of all, um, I think quality of life is the key consideration when you're looking broadly, right, uh, in terms of glaucoma therapy. And um, I think setting a target pressure range is important. There's enough evidence to show that pressure lowering is the key strategy, really. And so I think it depends how much pressure lowering you're looking for and what would be best for that particular patient uh, given various, um, if I can use the term, biopsychosocio-cultural uh, considerations. <laughs> and um, so in other words... You can. In other I don't words, know if anyone else could use that term, but you can go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. In other words, a little more holistic approach. So right. um, I don't jump to medication right away. I talk to the patient typically if they're a newly diagnosed glaucoma or a glaucoma suspect that's high risk and we do want to treat uh, and lower the pressure, then, you know, I often uh, discuss with them different options um, and, and typically medication, laser, um, and occasionally surgery if the patient um, can't uh, afford or a medication or is forgetful, uh, et cetera. And um, so and after a discussion, usually patients opt for, you know, a prostaglandin analog once a day at night or uh, SLT. Um, and if I'm doing it early in the treatment regimen, I typically do 360 degrees because the studies by Madhu Nagar from the UK and our own uh, study uh, working uh, with Jay Katz uh, as part of a multi-center study, uh, SLT meds uh, that, was that was actually presented at the academy one year showed that um, you get about a 30% pressure lowering uh, with either 360 um, SLT or uh, Zalatan in, in the case of both those studies. And so um, I feel pretty comfortable offering it uh, early on if people wanted to go for that. Uh, I think most people do opt uh, for medication uh, and then go for laser more as a second or, or third step. And in the second or third step, um, you know, I try and position it in such a way that um, here we're looking at a uh, possibility for 20-25% pressure lowering, much like an additional drop. 
but then you don't have uh, the additional concerns or compliance-related issues. You know, once you start adding more than two, three drops, um, the uh, chances of the patient actually taking it the way you hope uh, drops off, right? And compliance is a major issue. So I think there it has a good potential. And it also has a potential uh, based on uh, a study by Francis and others that you can actually cut back the medication that a patient is taking. So if somebody's on three medications and they want to cut back to one or two, then that's another good... Um, you know, um, benefit. Um, so to summarize, really, I offer it to newly diagnosed um, patients uh, as uh, initial therapy, uh, but, but uh, certainly talk about medications, surgery if appropriate. And then uh, more my main stay, I would say, and again, I, my practice is biased towards tertiary glaucoma care, is usually as part of a second or third step um, prior to going to actual incisional surgery. Um, and then occasionally in steroid responders, uh, I use it as well. It tends to work quite well in that group, just to buy a bit of time. Yeah. Well, I wish I could disagree with you just to have a, just to have an argument, but you really summed up my approach as well. I guess the only, thing, the only thing I might add, though, is it's uh, when I go through the whole uh, holistic approach and discuss things with the patient, it, it's amazing that uh, some patients don't want an eye drop anywhere near their eye, and others don't want a laser anywhere near their eye. And you don't yeah, always know exactly. what they're going to opt for, but it's definitely important oh. that they're actively involved in deciding that. Yep. And then the other big thing, of course, is we have an aging demographic, and uh, some people have memory issues and so forth, so there's often a care partner or caregiver involved, and so it's important to have the discussion with them, uh, whether it's family or otherwise. Um, and so often, um, you know, I'm speaking to other family members, and we actually have a nurse educator do some teaching uh, sessions, uh, much like Pierre Blondeau's model, uh, outside of the formal clinic setting uh, to help educate patients and caregivers as well. Right, that's excellent. Wow. Well, I think we've covered the subject really well, unless there are any other things you'd like to add that we didn't cover here. Uh, well, I, I think we've covered uh, most of the points. The only other thing is that um, I think in terms of contraindications, um, one needs to be careful in uh, eyes with, uh, where the meshwork is not easily visualized, um, patients with uveitis, and patients with long-standing pigmentary glaucoma where I think the trabecular meshwork has very few cells left and doing, um, you know, SLT, particularly high-powered SLT, um, can decompensate the meshwork. Uh, so I think um, with those caveats in mind, um, you know, it's it's uh, fair to at least uh, try it in most patients uh, where it may be helpful. That's right. But, uh, I guess whenever the angle is pigmented, that's a good point to. Uh, you mentioned lower energy settings in there, and yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, typically with pigmentary glaucoma I'm dealing with, I would turn the energy way down to 0 0.4 millijoules, 0 0.5, um, with sort of exfoliation, maybe around 0 0.6, 0 0.7, but. For the most part, the average energy treatment energy should be about one millijoule per pulse, um, about 50 treatment spots for 180 degrees, and then uh, anywhere from 80 to 100 spots for 360 degrees, I think, uh, is fine. And then I would encourage people to check the pressure an hour later and to also pre-treat with an alpha-2 agent. Um, if it isn't checked an hour or later, then maybe the following day. But, you know, you can expect about a 3%, 4% um, chance of a pressure spike above 6 millimeters of mercury and... Uh, um, I still am old-fashioned. I use Predfort QID um, for about five days afterwards. Um, it's just a bias of my fellowship training. but I, I guess we're both old-fashioned here. I, I do that <laughs> for three days. 
Yeah, so, but there's enough good evidence, of course, to, you know, you can use a non-steroidal, uh, in some cases, um, people don't use anything and get away with it as well, so I think those are the key things I would uh, add. Great. Well, nice having this conversation from one old guy to another. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Rob. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, it's great. Well, that's our show for today. Be sure to subscribe to this series so that you will receive each episode as I produce them. Sometimes I get bogged down with my family commitments, clinical work, or carried away with my blog or Twitter, but still greatly enjoy producing Talking About Glaucoma when time permits. Drop me a line at podcast at iguy.org, that's I-G-U-Y dot org, with your feedback or suggestions for future episodes. You can also enter comments about any episode on the podcast pages on wholelotterob.com slash tag-aac. See the show notes for more details. Talking About Glaucoma is a non-profit podcast that I produce once each month or so, as time permits, in AAC format that includes chapter markers, and in MP3 format that does not. I am the director of the West Coast Glaucoma Center in Vancouver and clinical associate professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences at the University of British Columbia. I can be followed on Twitter, where I am Rob Scherzer. Also, check out my work website at westcoastglaucoma.com and my glaucoma health and tech blog at wholelotterob.com. Please help detect and treat glaucoma by keeping yourself informed. How was your surgery? Well, thanks. Yeah, fine. It was... Uh... Uh, acute on sort of chronic angle closure with some phacomorphic component and the problem is she had had a scleral buckle and multiple detachment surgeries and so it wasn't much healthy conge so I ended up doing um, cataract removal ECP and then the syniculysis oh special number three <laughs> <laughs> from, your, from the menu <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't room to do any crab or tube or anything Thank you.